stand for the reading of the word this morning found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. We have, again, as I mentioned, Pastor Fred Sloan and his wife Grace with us this morning. And they're not strangers to most of us, but there's probably a few of us that don't know what you do uh, in your ministry. If you give us a few words, just uh, tell us about that, too. Thank you for having me today. It's always a joy for us to be with Evergreen. Uh, we appreciate the ministry of this church to our family over many, many years. Um, today is uh, Harrison's birthday. Many of you know Harrison, knew Harrison, and uh, very thankful for him and his life and your ministry to him and to Elizabeth, and to us. We, we deeply, deeply appreciate that. Um, I am an evangelist uh, ordained by the James River Presbytery to uh, lead a ministry. It's called Prison Discipleship Ministry. Our mission is to go into jails and prisons in central Virginia and to encourage and recruit uh, folks out of our churches to be involved in that mission, and the Lord has blessed us. Uh, I'm gonna. I'll tell a, a story or two about that work uh, as we get into the sermon today. But um, you can pray for the prisons and jails. There are there's a great need there, as you know, in our culture, is uh, a great need. And uh, but there are also, you know, there are also some incredible believers in some of these places. Um, the first Sunday, or first Sunday of every month on Sunday morning, we go into Sussex One Prison, which is down in Waverly. And um, before the pandemic, we had 50 men coming basically every month. Since the pandemic, they've been doing some construction and things we've had, but uh, we're back up to 35 men. And these are, this is a level five out of level six prison, which means that most of the people in this prison will never get out. Uh, they're there for things they did, most of them as young men. Uh, but many of the people who come are in their 50s, 40s, 50s, 60s. And there are some incredibly devout believers among this group. They've really come to grips with what it means to be a Christian and come to grips with where they are in life. And um, I like to describe the group there. It's like a church. They have men who are functioning like elders. They lead, they counsel, they shepherd, and God, God blesses that group. But, you know, that group is just like our society. Uh, there are all kinds of waves and things going on there that they have to contend with, and uh, you can pray for them. You can pray for our prisons and jails. Um, 
You can pray for the Richmond City Jail. We were in there. Uh, in fact, one of the first places we were ever able to get into was the Richmond Jail uh, back in 2016. This is, we're starting our seventh year now. But um, we had uh, one pod. We would go into this pod uh, and twice a week on Tuesday and Friday. We had an hour and a half. We taught through the shorter catechism at least once. I think we got almost through it twice. Uh, the men would come. We'd have average probably at least 20 coming out of this one pod. Uh, some of our men would go to other pods to uh, speak with men. And uh, we had uh, women who would go with us as well. So we had an active ministry there. But when COVID came, uh, that shut down. All the prisons and jails shut down. And uh, we're back into most of them now, but we're not back into the Richmond jail. Uh, I heard about the last two weeks, there have been, uh, been three deaths in the Richmond jail in the last three months. One of them I know was a murder. Uh, there have been four deaths in that jail in the last year. So it's, it's a very troubled place. Um, the, the, the trouble and difficulty that has taken place in our culture is magnified in the jails and the prisons. Uh, they're short of help. It's hard to find people to work in there. Uh, it's hard to keep things organized. One of the problems we've had of getting back in to the places that are open or getting other people qualified to go in there. And uh, that, that's been a process. So you can pray for us that that would continue. Uh, your pastor and a deacon from our church recently qualified for Beaumont. We go in there on the second Sunday of every month. And one of our long-term goals is that uh, we would, uh, every church in the James River Presbytery would take on a prison or a jail. Uh, we've seen just wonderful things happen through All Saints as the church has embraced that. And um, we would, and that's part of what I want to talk to you about this morning, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, let's read a, our second text, and that's from Acts chapter 24, if you would turn there with me. As you know, Paul has been imprisoned, and he's about to begin to his journey to Rome. And in this context, he is uh, before the Roman uh, governor, Felix, beginning at uh, verse 24. And after some days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now, as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Meanwhile, he also hoped that money would be given him by Paul, that he might release him. Therefore, he sent for him more often and conversed with him. But after two years, Portius Festus succeeded Felix, and Felix, wanting to do the Jews a favor, left Paul bound. Let's pray. 
Lord, we thank you for these few moments we have together with your church and before your word. We pray that you would bless your word. Lord, help us to see the great vision and the great joy of following in the steps of the Apostle Paul and many others. We pray that you would grow your kingdom and that you would use us to grow that kingdom. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. A number of years ago, when our boys were little, uh, they played t-ball, and uh, we they came up through t-ball. This was, I guess, and t-ball still played, but soccer has kind of replaced a lot of that, but we played t-ball, and I, I kind of thought of t-ball, well, that's, that's what little kids do. Um, in that process, uh, somewhere, I'm not sure, 1988, somewhere in there, uh, we were able, through my brother who lives in Chicago, we were able to go to a Chicago Cubs baseball game, and we were able to get in there early, and we were down on the field watching batting practice. And one of the things that just amazed me is there here are these famous baseball players who are, they're only making a few million then. Uh, these days, they make multi-million dollars, but they were making a lot of money, and they were well-known, to, especially to our boys but what were they doing? They were hitting off of a tee as part of their practice, their batting practice. Great golfers, the great golfers making millions a year before they play around, they go out and they spend three, four hours or more practicing, hitting off the tee. They're working on certain fundamentals that are critical. And there are certain fundamentals that are easy to lose sight of. Today, I, I want to talk to you about some of those fundamentals, not because I think you're bad at it, but because I think we all need to remember these things, and we all need to focus on these things. And I want to speak to you in light of what's going on in our culture. I think you're, you're fully aware. You see on the news every day the kinds of things the kinds of perversions that are being pushed uh, in the public square, the kinds of things that are being forced on our children. Uh, how do we react as a church? There are all these philosophies and political ideas that are out there. Where are we to focus? That's what I want to talk to you about. I heard a sermon recently by Alistair Begg, and he said, you know, in this sermon, I'm not going to tell you anything that's new, but what I'm going to tell you is something that we must never forget, and that's what I hope to do this morning. I don't think I'll say anything that's new to you this morning, but I hope it will help you to remember these certain fundamentals that we need to know and that we need to practice as the church of Jesus Christ in our day and in our culture. And I've highlighted these in my sermon title. It's very simple. Children, when you go home today and your dad asks you, what was the sermon about? You got three words to remember, all right? Going, reasoning, and failing. Going, reasoning, and failing. God wants the church, he wants us to never lose sight of the fact that we're to be a going people. Secondly, when we go, we're to be a reasoning people. And thirdly, when we go, we will fail many times, and we should not be afraid of failure. 
But let's talk about that. Let's talk about, first of all, a going people. We read it in our text in, in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Very familiar text. I'm only going to pull out one little part of it and talk about it today. The command, the central verb in this, what we know as the Great Commission, is to make disciples. It's a plural command. It's for everyone in the church. It is the mission of the church to make disciples. But in this, in this command, surrounding this command, there are three participles. There is going, baptizing, and teaching. Now, your translation probably has a command, go therefore, and that's a good translation. I'm not criticizing the translation, but it is helpful to know that that's a participle. And the reason is that participles modify different things. They can modify adjectives. They can modify nouns. But in this case, it modifies the verb. It modifies the verb, go and make disciples. And when they when it's it's an adverbial participle, it answers it asks the question or answers the question, how, how do we make disciples? And the first the first word in this verse, and in Greek we they often put the most important idea or the idea that they want you to grasp at the very beginning, and the beginning of this is going. And I want to submit to you that we are to be a going people, that we are to ask God, God, help us to go. It's really easy in the context and in the culture in which we live to kind of circle the wagons and uh, we'll just take care of our family and ourselves and we'll just be, we'll just kind of covey up together. But I'm telling you that Jesus wants us to go. We're to go and take the gospel to people. Now, that might, maybe it frightens you when you hear that. But I want to tell you that you're missing out on one of the great joys of your life if you don't develop and cultivate and build this going mentality. And by that, I mean seek regular opportunities to talk to people about the gospel people who don't know the gospel, people who don't know Jesus. There's hundreds of ways to do it. You know, our ministry is one way to do it. And one of the great joys that we have is after we've been somewhere and we've talked to people, there is a fellowship and a camaraderie that builds among us that is just hard to describe. It's, it's hard to, I wouldn't want to be without it. And, and you probably know some of that, but I want to encourage you to seek that out. And there are dozens of ways to do it. Uh, I think of the parades. I know you, were, uh, you had a booth at the recent one of the parades here in Powhatan. I encourage you to do that. Do things like that. Think of places and ways that you can go and give the gospel to people who've never heard about it. I think of uh, VCU. We've lost our campus minister for the PCA there. 
but perhaps, you know, God would put it on some of your hearts to go down there, just to go down there on a Thursday night, a Friday night, walk around, interact with students. There's a minister there. His name is Josh Ehrman. He used to be uh, in the, he is in the PCA. He used to be a part of a pastor in one of our churches. He works for crew now, and they have a very successful ministry approaching foreign students, working, taking the gospel to foreign students. As you know, BCU is a huge campus. There's lots of opportunities there. If you're, if you're moved with that, I can get you in touch with Josh so that you could go down and see what he does, and you can take what he does and do it somewhere else. There's John Tyler. I, I don't know. I think the new name is Bright Point. I'm not sure. There are ESL classes. There are crisis pregnancy centers. Uh, two mothers. You say, well, I'm a mother, and I've got little kids, and I can't do much. You can you go to the park. You can invite a neighbor, two, two, two believers, you can invite a third neighbor. Spend time thinking and praying, Lord, give me a going mentality. I want to be going. And that's not just for missionaries. You know, when I was a little boy, we, we had lots of missionaries who talked a lot about the problems and the things going on in Africa. You know, I, we, we, we're the nation that needs the missionaries now. A lot of the things that were going on there, there are actually more Christians in Africa today than there are here. And we need to cultivate among ourselves a going mentality. All right, the second thing, when we go, what are we going to do? And I call your attention to Acts 24. When Paul went to Felix, he reasoned with him. It says there that he reasoned with Felix. I, I encourage you as you read the book of Acts to notice the times that that word reason is used there. It's used many, many times over and over and over again. And what are the categories as we go and as we have a going mentality and we engage people? What are, what are we to talk to them about? Well, I think uh, Dr. Luke has given us what Paul talked to Felix about. He talked about righteousness he talked about self-control, and he talked about the judgment to come. And I think those are wonderful categories. When we talk about righteousness, what are we talking about? Well, essentially, basic, we're talking about the Ten Commandments. You know, we live in a culture that's lost sight of all kinds of things. You know, lying is just the way we do things these days. You know, and there are people out there that know that that's not the right way. Uh, we know that sexual immorality and the perversion that's being taught, that's wrong. All right, that, that comes back. You know, our, our present governor, they think he was elected. A lot of it was a movement among parents. And I don't know if any of those parents are Christians. Some of them, it wouldn't surprise me if some of them were, but I doubt if all of them are. But what, are they in, what do they know? They know inherently in their soul that what's being taught is wrong. And when we go to people, we need to reason with them about righteousness. What, what does the Bible say? Let's just get back to some of the basics about righteousness. The second thing is about self-control. I mean, that, that comes more personal. How do I relate to that righteousness? How am I doing with that righteousness? You know, you think of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, and he talks about, well, if you're angry with your brother, murder, if we're talking about murder and evil, it comes down to me and how I think and how I'm dealing with anger. 
How am I dealing with fear? How am I dealing with lust? How am I dealing with all of those things? Self-control. And that leads to the gospel, to think, to talk to people about the gospel and the, and the hope that we have in the gospel through Jesus Christ. But the third element is judgment to come. There is a judgment. Our pastor Bullock at All Saints recently said something that stuck with me. He said, all roads lead to God. And that's true. All roads lead to God. Now, we hear that taught in a perverse way. It's like, well, it doesn't really matter which road you're on. You're going to get to God eventually anyway. Well, there's an element of truth there. All roads lead to God. But there's only one road that leads to everlasting life. You see, Jesus taught very clearly that he is the judge. God has given judgment to him and that there is coming a day when he's going to raise the dead and every man will stand before Jesus Christ. And they will give an answer for their lives and what they've done. So what is the answer when you come? What is the answer that we give to God? The answer is, I'm in Christ. See, that's the answer that leads to eternal life. Now, I want to talk to you about the third point, and this might be the most important point, a failing people. I think this could, our, our coming to grips with failure might be, it probably is, the key to the other two. If we're to maintain a going attitude, if we're going to be willing to reason with people, we have to come to grips with failure. Now, that's hard for us because we live in a celebrity culture. We celebrate success. We celebrate the rich, the beautiful, the talented. The problem is that if we drink too much of this mentality, we can be discouraged easily. When we celebrate success too much, we're drinking a poison that destroys motive. Why do I do this? Motive is at the heart of faithfulness. Faithfulness is built on the foundation of truth. Now, notice in this passage in Acts 24 where Paul's failures, what, what happens? Paul, Paul reasons. He, he, he follows this pattern. He reasons about righteousness, self-control, and judgment. And notice the results on Felix. Felix was afraid. It had an impact on Felix. Felix wasn't going to change. You see that in the last verse. Felix, meaning to do the Jews a favor, left Paul bound. So what happens here? Luke tells us here, this encounter with Felix, what happens? He fails. Paul fails. Think about the failures in the book of Acts. You know, the Bible, the Bible is not trying to present your best life now, follow Jesus, three easy steps, and everything will be roses. No, think about just some of these. Mars Hill, Paul in Athens on Mars Hill, he argues for the gospel. What's the impact? Not that much. You know, Paul's failure with Agrippa in two chapters later. He, Agrippa says, Paul, almost you've persuaded me to be a Christian. But he, he, doesn't, he doesn't convert. 
Read 2 Corinthians 6, 2 Corinthians 11. Paul boasts about his failures. There's a phrase that Paul uses that I think is very important to us as believers. If we're to be going, if we are to be reasoning, and we are not afraid to fail, why are we not afraid to fail in our witness? Paul talks about the drink offering. I think you've heard me talk about this before. What is the drink offering? It's a very part of the sacrificial system that was offered with many of the sacrifices. It was a fine wine that was taken and it was poured out on the dirt or the floor of the tabernacle or of the temple. It was wasted. It was poured out and it was wasted. Paul says in Philippians, as you know, we talked through Philippians uh, last through last year. Paul says in Philippians 2, he says, even if I'm poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith. You see, Paul contemplates that his work in Philippi could be a failure because there are some tensions and things going on in the church that are pulling it apart. And he writes this letter to try to correct that. But he says that even if I'm poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith. I will rejoice. Think about that. Here, this man whose central work is to raise up churches, and here he contemplates the, the possibility this church will fail. He's going to rejoice. Why is it? You see, the greatest witness that ever lived, the perfect, the only perfect witness, the only one who could reason perfectly with people was Jesus Christ. And what happened to him? He was crucified. But what happened? God raised him from the dead on the third day. You see, the genius of the church, the work of God, is not limited and it's not bound by failure. What we are called to do is to be faithful, faithful to take a message. I ran across a quote recently by John MacArthur. I'd like to read it to you. He says, it's not our job to convert people. It's not our job to save people. It's not our job to convict people. It's not our job to convince people. It is our job to tell people. The convincing, the convicting, the converting, and the saving is the work of the Holy Spirit. Only He can do that. What's my job? My job is to tell. My job is to go and to tell. I want to tell you a story from one of our houses a couple of weeks ago. One of the things we've had to learn, God has really had to teach us this kind of concept in our work in the recovery houses, uh, because when the prisons and jails closed up with COVID, immediately the work of you know the work of God opened up what are called recovery houses. These are houses where people coming out of prisons and jail can come there. They can get on their feet. They can get work. They'll continue their training and their work with working on their addictions and whatever. But one of the things that happens is there's a constant turnover. And we deal with that. You know, we, we struggle with what's, we want to see fruit. We want to see success. And 
All of these houses periodically will go through a time where nobody, the people that we've had, we've had three, four, five people come into Bible study and they've all moved out and we have nobody and no interest. And a couple of weeks back, this one house on Bainbridge Street, we were there and we hadn't had anybody for a couple of weeks. And we, we went in and we talked to some men that were there and they know us, but they're not interested. They weren't interested at all. So Les and I, we went into the room where we have our study and we sat down and we started to pray. And we'd hardly sat down till down the hall next to the room comes a man who had just gotten out of the shower. And uh, I jumped up and I said, hey, would you like to join us? We have a Bible study here every Thursday at seven o'clock. And he said, yes, I'll go upstairs and get my Bible. So he went upstairs, and in about five minutes, he came back with a Bible and our daily bread. And we sat there for an hour, and we talked to him about the Lord. We talked to him about the gospel. He told us his story. 20 of the last 21 years, he's been in prison, and now he's out. He's, I would guess, somewhere in his 40s. But this is what I want you to hear. In our conversation, he said, you know, when I was a teenager— I had a friend, his mother was a Christian, and she said to me, if we're wrong, what difference does it make? But if you're wrong, it's eternity. Now, this lady said this to him 20 years ago or more, all right? She, she, I don't know where she is. I doubt she, she, she could be dead. You know, I don't know. And she probably has no idea about Rich, his friend. You see, that's the mystery and the work of the Spirit of God, how God takes words that people speak. They are faithful words. They are people who have a going mentality. They have a reasoning mentality. God takes that. And he takes what looks like failure, and he blesses it. You don't know how. You don't know when. But you know who God is, and you know what he's like. He raises the dead, you see. So Paul could talk about being a drink offering. He could talk about his life being poured out. Why? Because he had a strong faith, and he was going to be faithful to the God who was perfectly faithful to build his kingdom and to grow his church. Now, I need to quit. You know, all roads lead to, lead to Christ. Every one of you this morning, you will meet Jesus Christ one day. You will meet him. The question is, when you meet him, what will you say to him? If he says to you, why should I let you in my heaven? What's your, what's your answer? You know, if, if in baseball you bat 300, you're going to be in the Hall of Fame. But, you know, in life, if you bat 999,999, you're going to spend eternity in hell because a heaven is a place for perfect people, and we're not perfect. We never have been. We never will be. But there was one who was perfect, 
He died. He lived the perfect life. He did two things you could not do. He lived a perfect life, and he died to pay the penalty for sin. This morning, I encourage you and I ask you to contemplate that. Are you ready to meet this God? Are you ready to be an ambassador? Are you ready to be a going, reasoning, failing people? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for a long line of faithful witnesses. We pray that you would help us. Lord, help us to overcome our fears, our rationalities. Lord, none of us have ever done this perfectly. You know that. We've never gone like we should have. We've never reasoned like we could. We've never, and we've allowed failure to discourage us. And we pray you would help us. We pray you would send your spirit among us. We live in a day, Lord, that desperately needs to rekindle the gospel. We pray that you would do that through your church. We pray you would do that through Evergreen. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.